0: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Happy Haven Podcast. This week, I had Dean Kane on. Dean Kane guys, Superman! It was absolutely amazing. He was one of the coolest guests I've ever had on. The conversation gets super deep and super important and was just a blast to, to have him on and get to talk to him about so many things. And actually, it's always cool when you get to thank one of your um, heroes for how they influenced your life when they were portraying a hero. So, Dean Kane, everybody, um, you put the
1: suit on. It felt odd, very, very odd, because it was just spandex, it was just tights, there was no S, there was no nothing, there was a zipper in the back, and it looked silly, I was like, uh-oh, this is not going to be cool, this could be a problem, um, you know, it was just tight, there's nothing else, I mean, nowadays, nowadays the costumes, oh my gosh. The costumes are amazing. I have full costume envy. I admit it. Suit envy, a hundred percent. I look, you know, if I look at Melissa's suit on Supergirl, just the material, the texture, maybe the scoped out shoulders. I'm like, what? What is this? Um, so yeah, those things, those suits were fantastic. Mine was just tights. There was no S, and I was like, oh, this could be a problem. We didn't even have the uh, the red underpants on the outside at the time. I was like, um. Boys, you better be doing something else because we're we're in big trouble with this suit right here. But slowly we built it, and slowly we built it, and then uh, then by the end it started to get comfortable. But um, right. but when we first got into it, you know, we, we were still ex- experimenting all the time with the cape, the things, because it hadn't been done in so long. Right. Certainly not at the television level. So we had a it was a lot of trial and error trying to figure it out.
0: Well, I mean, I think what well, other than the. The Black Knight T-series, the burials, mean, you were like the first actual TV series dedicated. I mean, you know, there's you know, Supermans, of course, Christopher Reeves' Supermans. But you were the first, um, you know, serial episodic Superman on TV, I think, since like the, the Fleischer cartoons.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, That's certainly perfect. since uh, since uh, George Reeves had done it. And I'll tell you what, I've still done it more than twice as many times as anybody else. I still hold the – if
0: you look at the hours, I was in that thing a lot. I mean, you are the longest reigning on-screen Superman. I did look that up. (laughs) If anybody gets close, I might have to pay him a visit, give him a little what for. (laughs) I want to hold on to my record for sure. Right, and you didn't have a weird mustache that had to be digitized out that ruined a whole movie. (laughs) No, no. Absolutely. I can't
1: grow a mustache. It takes me a long time. I'm Japanese. (laughs) <laughs> take me a while. i got to squeeze real
0: hard. <laughs> <laughs> but what but, but, but I think cool, and I think what you could, could take as a tribute to how much you love this Superman, is that you've been invited to so many different iterations. You know, um, you know, being in Smallville, not a Superman again, but still, you know when you came on screen, everyone was like, Superman. And I know when I watched, um, you know, I started watching Supergirl, and you, you played the Danvers girl's father. I got all kinds of emotionally feely about that because I was like, that is so awesome. That is, you know, like, so it's just I guess it's it's got to be uh, almost crazy to still be a part of, a, of the, the the super pantheon. I think what you're in it, it never goes away. You know, Christopher
1: Reeve was a fantastic actor and made some great movies somewhere in time, things like that. But he was always known as Superman. Uh, he was a great, great actor, and great guy. George Reeves had his issues with Superman, apparently. I don't know specifically because I never knew the man. Right. But, you know, being part of that is, for me, I embrace it. I have, I mean, that's a of all the characters you can be saddled with for the rest of your life, that's one I'll take happily. It hasn't stopped me from working. It hasn't stopped me from doing other things in any way, shape, or form. Um, I love being a part of it. I mean, there's a lot of heat you catch as a Superman, whether it's somebody, um, you know, if you're in an athletic contest, there's always a lot of smack talk. But you got Superman. You get it. You know, every time you get in an airplane, you get it. I was in Iraq in 2005 with our soldiers, and we were getting mortared and rocketed. We were in a bomb shelter, and the guys were like, Superman, get out there and take care of this. I mean, it never, ever goes away, and that's okay. Even my son will do it to me sometimes. And I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I would. That's yeah, exactly. My mom will do it. It's funny, and I embrace it. I think it's great. Again, it hasn't caused me any trouble where I haven't been able to work outside of it, but. It's a it's a wonderful thing to be to be a part of. When Christopher Reeve went and did uh, his bit on Smallville, that opened the door for the rest of us. I mean, if he did it, did it, he was my superman. so if he's going to do that, um, there was no question in the world that I would go be on Smallville. And I was very excited when uh, when they said, you know, hey, come play, uh, you know, Jeremiah Danvers on Supergirl. Greg Berlanti, who created the show, um, great friend of mine. I've known him for decades. Really good guy, and he did Flash and Arrow and yeah. DC Legends art, everything. So um, I was very happy that he and Andrew Kreisberg, who's no longer with the show, um, um, got us in there. And A lot of us are, you know, Terry was on it as well. And, um, you know, there's a whole bunch of people, Helen Slater, of course, playing my wife. So it's it's pretty cool that they give a nice nod
0: back to uh, other people who have have inhabited the roles. Right. Yeah. I mean, I I think if I ever met Berlanti, I would just hug him and say say (laughs) thank you for... You know, all the DC stuff that we get now weekly. And, and, you know, you guys do such a good job. There's so much heart. And you can tell that everybody who puts a hand to it loves the stories they're telling. I mean, we we watch The Flash and Arrow and Supergirl and Legends of Tomorrow. Like, that's our, you know, our week is focused around because it's our family time because everyone can watch them. Yeah, it's perfect. You know, we, my
1: son and I, pretty much only watched Flash. A little bit of arrow, but pretty much flash. And I don't have time to watch everything, so I, I see the Supergirl episodes I'm in and a little bit around it. And, but uh, I honestly don't watch all of them. I'll be dead honest. I try to watch as much as I can. But if I'm going to do the show, of course, then I'll watch a lot more. But uh, we, we've been what, what do we want? We watch. He's a Netflix guy. You know, he, people watch different you know television differently these days. My son comes in, he's like, let's watch something, Dad. And he goes to Netflix and just starts searching for a series. Right. We just finished watching this series that ended in twenty twelve. <clears throat> um, the breakout kings. I'd never heard of it. We watched the whole darn thing, two seasons of it, and I was like, Wow. He's like, What should we watch next? It's like he doesn't <clears throat> Excuse me. He doesn't think in terms of uh, like appointment television like it used to be. So I think that's certainly changing the way we make television now. I think it's great actually as an actor. You know, I did four seasons of a show called Hit the Floor. Well, the fourth season is coming out this year. It's, and we do ten episodes. It's fantastic as an actor because you get to do the series for ten episodes, then go off and do other things, which is which is what we like to do.
0: Right. Well, I mean, you, yeah, I mean, you do a, a, a wide range of stuff. You know, people are – I had people asking, oh, have you seen the the, the the dog movies? And, oh, have you seen the this? And, oh, have you seen the that? And I said, I've seen a lot of it, but I haven't seen all of it. But, um, like, for me, some of the stuff that really stood out um, – was the God's Not Dead movies? Um, I need, I need to see the God's No movie. Uh, it hasn't come out yet, and that's driving me nuts because it's a pretty
1: tough movie to watch. It's a true story, so. And it's such a dark
0: and important story.
1: It's horrible, and I don't know why we can't get it uh, distributed. But we, uh, I, I, I think it's a, uh, it's certainly worth telling, and it's a story that somehow got submerged by the media, and they don't want to cover it, which is insane, because this is a guy who's in jail for murder, triple murder, and one involuntary manslaughter, and it's awful. And he was a, an absolute fiend. It's because it deals with abortion. Right. That's that was gonna, Yeah. What, that's, a, that's what it is. And that's a, you know, people don't want to talk about that. And, and the reality of what happens in an abortion is absolutely brutal, and it's terrible. And to have to see all these things that we had to see and experience. Um, it, I do believe in a woman's right to choose. Up to the viability of a fetus, and then I no longer do. Right. Then it's unless unless someone's life isn't in, in peril, though the mother's life is in peril the child in peril, you know, that's that's it. And I, I just believe that should be the case because at that point you have a life that could survive. And this guy did that on the regular. He was he was he was ending lives, he was ensuring fetal demise. That's Kermit Gosnell. It's a horrible story. Yeah. But as a doctor, you know, with what he did and what he the people he trained and the stuff, it's it's very compelling. And uh, I got to meet the, the real detective that I played, who broke up the whole ring. Um, it was pretty, it was pretty in, in, incredible stuff. And um, the guy was a sociopath.
0: Didn't think he did anything wrong. Oh yeah, he would have made many uh, Nazi scientists uh, very, very proud. Extremely so. I mean, yeah, and I mean, like you know, I follow Zoe and and you on social media. It's pretty great. I love Zoe. And you know, he was the one that, that kept talking about it and talking about it. And I was like, I know that name from something. And when I realized what it was about, I was like, oh, God. So I, trust me, we'll wink-wink at you saying you don't know why it won't get distributed. But, you know, <laughs> just understand that uh, for the media and, you know, the the left wing of America that is currently screaming, you think of the children, um, those are the children they don't want anybody to have to think about. So
1: I mean, if you're talking about think of the children, there's there's a place to start. There's no question about
0: that. It's the most it's the most ironic thing to me is the, is disarm the most America because he'll think of the children. And you're like, well, what about all these children? And they're like, shut your mouth. And you're like, well, you can't. Yeah, that's <laughs> the, mouth. it's,
1: it's a little mad. There's a little madness going on right now these days uh, in the media. There's no question about it. But I think that's, a, uh, you know, part of that is because of the explosion of information that everybody can suddenly get. Right. You know, it's, it's, we're in a weird area right now where we're having to kind of weed through what's true and what's not true and. You know, this fake news media, if you will, and the things that get out. of somebody tweets something, you know, Ted Cruz is afraid to go on CNN. Well, he was on. He didn't air his interview or whatever it happens to be. Those sorts of things happen all the time. And it's like, wow, hold on a second. Or Governor Rick Scott won't meet with the kids. He was at a funeral and it was clear on his schedule. Things like that happen and people tweet them and that becomes it's kind of Orwellian. And it's in and its, and it's it is. reality. And, and that's the scary thing about it. I think we're going to find a solution to it. At some point in time when people who are going to, you know, right now we have a lot of journalists who are more advocates than journalists. I'm a guy who I go, I co-host Fox and Friends weekend. You know, right. I'm very clear. I'm a pundit. I'm going to give my opinion. I won't get, you know, I'll tell you what's going on, but I am dare to give my opinion. Uh, it doesn't make it law or fact or anything like that. It's my opinion. Right. And if someone was going to sit there and just ob- objectively
0: report, that's great. You just don't see much of that these days. It's become a whole different world. It really has. And, you know, like, I mean, um, like you said with with the Orwellian, you know, this week they had that um, town hall thing, or they called it town hall on CNN. And anybody who's ever read 1984 and doesn't understand that that entire town hall farce was the the two minutes of hate that Orwell Orwell was talking about was (coughs) shocking. Right.
1: It's shocking. It really is. And I'm, a, you know, I'm also a lifelong member of the NRA. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a very proud uh, Second Amendment supporter. I think what happened in Florida is an absolute tragedy. It is. It's the most disgusting, horrible thing you can even think about. Uh, I don't like that that ever would take place, uh, but I don't believe that confiscating firearms is going to be the answer. You know, there's an answer in there, and I think we're sort of finding our way there, but but that isn't it. Right. I do believe in uh, having armed security, armed and concealed security within the schools. I wanted that at my son's school. I've wanted it for a long time. Listen, I'm armed, so um, there was a time when there was a legitimate, real direct threat to some of the schools here in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And because I, I, I wanted to make sure that my son and his friends were taken care of, I was nearby with my firearm, real nearby the school, waiting to hear if anything went wrong, and I was coming in. Right. I was going to try and do something, because I was no way... That I'm going to allow my son to be a victim if I can do something about it. So I do believe in having some armed security. Uh, certainly, vets and former law enforcement officers, people like that. I know so many of them personally that if they were around
0: my son's school, I would be so happy, so happy. Exactly. I've been saying that for, for a long time. You know, every time these shootings happen, and they're they're like, what do we do? And you know, all these, you know, you, you get these so-called firearm experts um, that just blither on and on and on. And, 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 you know, you, you correct them nicely. I, I Well, I start out nicely. Um, I, I don't handle stupid well, and I don't hand, handle people who lie well. I will openly debate with anybody in a forum of ideas. Um, that's, you know, one of the principles this country was founded on is being able to freely speak and think. But when you're going to use that to either be a liar or an intellectually dishonest idiot, I also have the right to be a jerk to you. So... <laughs> <laughs> I reserve that rights. You're right, but you know, you know, they, they, I've been saying, well, why don't we put off-duty officers or or vets that pass all all the checks, a background check, um, a psych eval, da, 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 and then put them in the schools? I know some people are uncomfortable with teachers being armed, and when when they bring, fair enough, yeah, but when they bring it up, you know, they, they act like it would be a requirement that they carry a gun. No. And, no, right, exactly, it's not.
1: If you're someone like that football coach who is well trained and 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 maybe he, I don't know if he had a concealed carry permit or what he had, but if, if you're in that situation and you can
0: do that, I think all the more power to you. Right. Well, you know the 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 deputy that the left wing media is now insulating. Um, he he you know, sat outside and actually yeah. listened to it happen. And of course, you know it was all like, I, I love their ever changing narrative, right? So, you know, oh, you know, I love, well, you know. You, you pro gun child murderers because apparently we're all child murderers. Um, child blood, you know, uh, you know, the gun, blood, but it didn't work, and then and then the story comes out. Well, he sat outside like a coward. Oh, you, know, you can't call him a coward because how was he supposed to go up against an AR fifteen? You know, so so they just like they they are they, like liquid. You you can't pin them down to talk to them.
1: I know some guys that would have been real good with a pistol. Against that AR-15, it would have won that
0: for sure. Well, that's just it. You know, everyone's for some pe for for some reason, the majority of the people think the word "semi-automatic." They forget that "semi" means right. Like they think that it literally means you know, you're Rambo with a belted machine gun walking around. But you know, like, but you explain to them that the caliber of the handgun that the sidearm of that sheriff's deputy had, um, was a higher caliber than the AR. That he is a fully trained sheriff's deputy. He wasn't like a mall security guy. He was a full sheriff's deputy. Full in tactics and shooting and the whole nine right. yards. That guy should win every time. You know so, I mean or most he, every time. Most every time. But but here's my thing. He didn't even have to be a crack shot. That kid was in a, a fish in a barrel situation. The fastest thing to make that guy stop is when one of the one one fish starts shooting back. You know, I mean, and, and I know that it was chaos and there was kids everywhere, but a trained person with a firearm is not going to go in like Yosemite Sam, which is the other scenario they're saying. You know, you're going to find your position and you're going to take before you take the shot. And it, I, I mean, and we could get sidetracked on this. I've been <laughs> I've been telling people the truth about you know firearms and this and that and law. Um, you know, like that one picture got circulated. I bought a AR-15 with an expired license in five minutes. Didn't happen. No, right. And then he gets in there and you look at the article. He didn't even fill out the paperwork to begin with. The valid ID was an instant note. I mean, yeah, so it's just. But that gets printed. It gets, it gets
1: circulated and retweeted and it goes out. It's like when you put out a fake story and then it gets retweeted 10,000 times and the correction gets, you know, four likes. Right. Like page seventy-two. It's just It's, uh, it's heartbreaking. It, it's frustrating. It, 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 but I think most people hopefully can see through that, you know. If you depending on which media you watch, they do see through that, and if you watch certain media, they don't. So it's it, it does get a little bit maddening. Uh, but then again, you know, I'll be in Israel in a few weeks. There's armed security at the at the schools. They don't have school shootings. They really don't. They have other problems and other issues because they're surrounded at all on all sides all the time. And they've got countries nearby that say, "Death to Israel." That's a problem. That's not a very comfortable place to be. No, um, it's not. It'd be really interesting to be over there with my boy and go, "Hey,
0: is, do you feel the difference? Do you feel do you feel that a little bit differently?" Right. I mean, I've I've met a couple IDF soldiers, and um, you know, I, I mean, I was airborne infantry a long time ago, but I've met and those IDF soldiers, I I just I have so much respect for them. I mean, it's. You know, I was, I was airborne infantry, you know, nine 11 hadn't happened yet. We weren't engaged with, you know, so, you know, for them, I mean, it's a daily, you know, you're getting in it, right. Everybody wants to kill you, you know? And, and for me, it was, I was on a base, like, you know, and that's why, you know, I, even online, I don't talk about my service a lot. Cause I don't really see it as that, not, not to what every person who enlisted after me has had to face with how turbulent and crazy our world got once we hit the year 2000 and on, you know, it's just been a giant dumpster fire. Yeah, but you know what? You did, serve, and had it happened four years earlier or two years earlier, you'd have been right there and in it. I would have, you know, but... um, you know, So thank you for that. Well, thank you. I mean, I see, you know, know, you've got the hero of heroes in that picture behind you. Um, Oh, Chris, of course. Right. Yeah, guys like that, I i look up to guys like me we just we were in and then and then we were out and you know
1: yeah but you know it takes so many people to support a guy like chris and and, and as brave as he is and he was one of the bravest guys i've ever met in my life and uh so humble it takes a lot of support whether that's his family tay at home and, and or, or if it's uh and the rest of his family or if it's uh You know the support personnel that you know feed him and make sure he's there, or the tech guys. I mean, there's so much to that. So everybody has their role, but heroes like him are few and far between. There really are. Right. But
0: um, you know, it's just I don't know. It's 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 heartbreaking to me to see how much how much like toxicity and tribalism is completely tearing this. You know. Because it, it's okay to believe differently from people, and I think that's what's been lost. It, it's okay. You know, you know, y- you and I, I guarantee you, you know, I'm... Most everything I know. I, of course not. Right. I'm a constitutional conservative, and, you know, not a Republican, not a Democrat, but I definitely have very strong right leanings, you know, um, but I'm able to have a conversation with a centrist or somebody who's left-leaning, because I know to keep that open mind, but I think... On both sides now, it, it's completely lost. I mean, I saw it when you couldn't have a rally at a college without these guys showing up in some sort of knockoff Viking gear. And the other side showing up looking like the fattest SWAT team you've ever seen. <laughs> you know, and, they're, and they're just like and sticks and crass <laughs> of shields. It looked like a bunch of dumb kids having, like, like uh, you know, a street, a street war. And... Exactly. Well, that's kind of what it was, right? But but transferred over into everything. I mean, you.
1: you, I kind of look at it this way. I see there's about ten or fifteen percent, maybe ten percent on the right, ten percent on the left. Those are the loudest people that make all the noise. And there's about eighty percent of us that are somewhere in the middle. Right. That makes sense. And I, I always try to keep an open mind. Listen, I say to anybody, if you have a, uh, if your opinion can convince me otherwise, I'll change my opinion. I'm, I'm willing to, to change it if you can convince me that this is the right thing. Otherwise, I'm gonna hold on to mine unless you get unless you got something better. Right, 100%. And that's just simple. But I'll listen. I'll absolutely listen. No question about it. And the thing for me, you know, here's another thing that's funny is, is sort of celeb types, actors and celeb types talking politics. People are rip, and I end up on the news talking about this often. They're like, why should we listen to you? You know, you're just a stupid actor and blah 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 blah. Truth of the matter is, you, sh- you shouldn't. You don't have to in any way, shape, or form. I have an opinion like any other American or any other person out there, for sure. Um, I try to inform myself as much as possible. I travel the world all the time. I'm in situations, I'm in places, I'm a history major who went to Princeton University. You know, I pay attention to this stuff. I took my comprehensive exams in war and diplomacy. My friends are law enforcement officers and, and soldiers and, and, and tons of friends throughout governments here and foreign nations, et cetera, et cetera, and I pay attention. So I try to be involved. And if if Jennifer Lawrence wants to quit Hollywood for a year and, quote, fix our democracy, even though we're not a democracy, um, (sighs) all the power to her, but she needs to get in, you know, hopefully she'll be informed and really check it out. See what she can do worldwide. I mean, you know, our, our, our constitutional republic, I don't know that it needs any, quote, fixing, but if she wants to be Chelsea Handler and get out there and say things, great. But the stuff they say... The stuff that Chelsea Handler puts out there is so inflammatory. <laughs> uh, it's unbelievable. You know, it, that's the you know the fascists calling people fascists. It's it's right. it's absolutely mind bending to me. Um, I'm open. I'm trying to be an open mind and listen to what people have to say. But that sort of stuff, you know, you're an NRA, so you have children's blood. And I don't have children's blood on my hands. Not a chance. I will stand in front of the children and fight to the death to defend
0: them. Exactly. You know, don't tell me I have blood on my hands because that's baloney. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I, I love the uh, the party of peace and tolerance, that are <laughs> like the most hate-filled, vitriolic, you know, intolerant people you'll ever talk to. You know, I mean, you know, like, what this women's now and women's march and women's this and women's that and, you know, and then y- you look at who's leading it. What they've got a uh, a woman who went served twenty something years in jail for torture and the homosexual state. Standing next to a woman who has completely, you know, gone after a girl that was, you know, had female genital mutilation done to her. Linda Sarzar, who have, you know, who stands next to this person that this, and and that's their their their, their women heroes. And then you have people, you know, I mean, it, go, it, it can go macro, you know, I mean, you have people like my wife, who is a pro-life conservative gun-toting woman and she'll be told that as a woman she's not <coughs> yes. Yeah, so it's like <laughs> I thought it was a woman's march. I thought I was a woman. No? But but but, but here's the funny thing about that is is you know, I mean, I'll, I I get onto the right at for their stuff. But the left is, is like a hilarious circus of idiots to me because, well, they've gotten so big that they eat their own tail so often. Right. So now everything's all about female empowerment. And, and I have all girls. I am the only boy in my house. Even the cat boy in my house that's been neutered. I'm literally the only being <laughs> with testicles in my house. Right. So, you know, of course, I want them to have a world where they are treated as awesome as they are. And, and as awesome as, as they fight to be, which e- even men have to fight for, for, for what they want to be. You have to put something forward. It doesn't just get handed to you. But e- equality of opportunity, not equality of outcome. Exactly.
1: And I believe that women have equal opportunity here in the United States. I absolutely do. Have you looked at the statistics? They're kind of leading in everything. Uh, when it comes to college graduates, et cetera, et cetera. Of course. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, but I'm all for it. I've me never, too. That's a funny thing for me is I'm all for a woman's right. I mean, equality, 100%. But men and women are not the same. No. So they're going to be different. It's like transgender uh, folks, you know, uh, a transgender man, well, now he's a woman, competing in, you know, track.
0: He's going to win. That's actually right where I'm going. Right. I was going to be like, you know, the left has gotten so big. You have all the female, so female power and all this stuff. And yet, how many men I was gonna say they're women have won women of the year awards in different gonna, categories? <laughs> like, you, you know, it's, it's you've gotten too big for your own britches. I mean, they attack each other now. That's the funnest thing to watch is to literally not even have to comment on anything, but sit back and watch two dumpster fires. Or get watch each other. <laughs> Eat themselves.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's a tough place to be when everything is an outrage and everybody is a name call and this, that, the other thing. And the identity politics, I'm just not part of it. I just don't like it. I don't, right. I've never cared if my directors were a man, a woman, black, Fine. white, green, yellow, Latino. I don't see color. I don't see creed. I don't see anything other than talents and effort. Right. That's it. That's right. all I care about. I would hire an openly liberal person in a heartbeat. Um, if they were good at their job, wouldn't even think about it twice, as I would a, an openly conservative person. If they were good at their job, that's what I care about. And I've worked for men, male directors, female directors, black directors, you name it. Never had any issue with any – I never even thought about it. Never even thought,
0: oh, my director's a woman. So what? Well, I'm good. I mean, the, the show's great They're very left. Driven. It yeah, I've heard that a
1: lot. I haven't noticed it because I haven't watched them enough, to be honest, but I've heard a lot of that. I did notice when I said something about um, the Women's March, the first one, what rights are they, are they marching for that they don't have? Uh, there was this whole tide of people saying, to get, to get throw me off the show. <laughs> I, thought that was, I thought that was hysterical to me. It's like, throw me off the show because I asked which rights that women were fighting for that they don't have. I, it's a legitimate question. Right. Uh, There was a lot of that. Oh, I get a lot of hashtag not my Superman. I get all those things all the time and uh, okay, fine. But I mean, they just, they turn from having a reasonable conversation to attacking your career or your looks or your height or your hair or your skin color or your tone or your ethnicity. I'm Japanese. My given name is Tanaka. I was adopted when I was four. I became Kane. Somebody accused me of Hiding my Japanese name, and I was like, "Well, I got adopted."
0: Sorry. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> my name, my, my last name's Canary. Now I was born of Von George. <laughs> so, you know, I guess I'm hiding my uh, my, um, my Norwegian. You're Dutch. Yeah, my my uh, my um, New York immigrant German background that I never knew about because I was, you know. Raised in Massachusetts in an Irish family. There you go. They're all you know Eurocentric breeds. I'm still a white devil, but still, you know, <laughs> I guess you know, I'm confused about which white devil I am. Uh, I think a lot of us are <laughs> pretty confused too. <laughs> but you know, you know, like like to me when, when I was a kid, I grew up in the '80s, '90s. You know, I mean, I'm you know 40, just about, and came here. That's exactly my age, right? So like. It didn't matter to us. So, you know, everyone's like, oh, back in the day when it was so bad. And I'm like, no, none of us knew there's a racial problem. We were just friends with who we were friends with. None of us knew that um, we shouldn't listen to this type of music or this type of music. Because cultural appropriation was a thing that, right. Like, yeah, it, we, we were just allowed to, like, figure out who we were. And we didn't have so many different tribes pulling at us. To tell us what we should be and what we couldn't. I think, couldn't. What we that's that identity politics. I think that's the left's biggest thing is they like to tell people what they can't be, you know. So, you know, I think so. that's just flat,
1: blatantly wrong and should be done away with.
0: Right? I think celebrate every, every culture, every person,
1: everything. None of us are perfect, none of our cultures are perfect. The United States didn't start out all perfect and have this lovely. Trip to the top by any stretch of the imagination. Acknowledge the blights and the bad things that happen, and move from there. That's all you can do. Never do it do. again. That's it. Right. Never, never do it again. Never Rude. do it
0: again. And 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 that's what's sad to me when you see you know colleges calling for segregation, and you're like, well, that's embarrassing. That's just the exact opposite of what you should be doing. Like, do you know how many people died? Like literally, were murdered brutally so that the, you know the word segregation never had to be a part of your life again. Do you understand how? Right, like you're like all these all these things that we got rid of. America right now, rights wise, equality wise, freedom wise. Well, not so much freedom wise. The federal government needs to shrink a bit. But you know, like overall, like that, we're we're, we're all gay. at the best we've ever been. You know, i oh, we, you know, we 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 really are. You know, there, there is no slavery. There's no more genocide for 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 you know having more area to build on. There's no more, you know, colonization. Not to that stage. Yeah, not here. And that's what I mean. You know, the, the you have so many young people that emulate these countries that are just, you know, falling apart or have never been good. And they're, oh, we should reflect this. And I'm like, do you understand that if we reflected that, you saying that would be a blow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, so like, just learn to appreciate so, like, well, people don't, so like, One of the things people,
1: I don't think people in the United States understand. A lot of people, of course, a lot do, is that uh, like, the Bill of Rights, you know, the rights that you have here in the United States, they don't exist in other countries. It's still unique, 300 years later. That's a big difference. I have to talk to my son about when we we're in some of these countries. I go, listen, here's some things you can't do, and here's some, you, and here's what you can't talk about. You can't say things like this. You can't say that. You can't do it
0: because you'll get thrown in jail. Right. I mean, I had, a, and I'm going with. I, I mean, I had, a, I have a friend uh, who I've worked with for years in my job. He left. He now works at a video game store because, you know, that's a good step forward um, for it not being your first job. Uh, <laughs> we all make questionable decisions sometimes. <laughs> um, but his his um, his fiance was studying abroad um, in Italy. Um, a couple years ago, and he went over to go visit her. And the weekend he was visiting her, they had a giant um, attempt at a socialist revolution. And he watched from an apartment as an entire, like, town, uh, like just got descended upon by people who really wanted a coup and who wanted socialism. And he came back, and, who was, and you know, he, he he's a left-leaning guy, but we had a long left Because, you know, it's okay for humans to be a little different. And and the the things he was saying, he was like, holy crap. And I was like, I told you, socialism never works. It always ends in violence and oppression. And And I was like, I'm glad you got to see it firsthand. I was smart enough to learn it from reading a book. But, you know, you got to see it firsthand. You got to see that all the animals were created equal, but some were more equal than others. You know, <laughs> straight animal farm. baby. Yeah, I uh, I've seen it. Uh, I've seen it firsthand myself.
1: I've been in countries where that's been happening. And that's when people don't understand, you know, a tyrannical government. They don't understand those things. And it happened. There's so many examples of it in the not distant past at all. It happens now. And they just don't seem to understand or believe that can happen here in the United States. But ladies and gentlemen, it can And that's a problem. That's what, you know, you have to experience it one time. You'll be like, oh, my gosh. I didn't
0: realize how fragile it could be. Right. I mean, I don't think they any risk. risk. Every time we elect a new president, regardless of party, that could be the one that's like, I mean, we almost had it. If FDR, I mean, I'm sorry, if FDR had not died, he was on his third or fourth term. We've been a two-term leader country since its inception. And everybody still loves the guy. And you're like, no, you don't understand. You must turn over power. He was fighting Hitler at the same time that he would not leave office when his time was over, which is what Hitler did. Like, and he was a socialist. Outspokenly, him and his wife, um, you know, the Nazis were the national socialists. Like, you know, like they don't see it. They're like, yeah, but he did all these social programs. And it's like, yeah, that's the reason we're like eighty trillion dollars in debt to the entire world, and we get so much taken from our income for people who still don't want to work. Like, plus so up programs that saddled this country in negative ways, and then broke the constitution by basically setting himself up as chancellor until he passed away. You know, and well, it, I mean, it could, go it ahead, could happen here. I don't think it will now just because there's too much information out there
1: and there's too many loud voices and maybe some people have guns. I don't know.
0: I mean, and and that's my thing. I think the only thing that concerns me when, when the left gains ground, like they seem to be doing socially, you know, I mean, look at the communist manifesto. How do you get them? You get them through their children. So look at how public schools have run for the past couple of decades. Look at, you know, children's programming, look at teenage programming and i mean, a 17 year old. I've been looking at it. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm about to go through it twice. You know, I've already I'm already done with one teenager. I'm getting ready to go through it again in a year or two. And you know, but but look at what a lot of them believe with no real world experience. Now you get a couple generations that have no real world experience, but they're the ones that are in charge. Yeah, that's a dangerous thing. That, that's the only way I can see this country turning. Is you know you know I mean. You know, the Bible the Bible even said, you know, God said, My people die for lack of knowledge. You know, that, that can be taken out of a religious context and put into a real world context really fast. You know.
1: Yes, well, they, they say if fascism comes to the United States, it'll come from within. And that's the thing that's scary. I agree. Uh, but you know, I've raised a seventeen year old boy who's almost eighteen. His uh, his eyes are open to a lot of things, he's gonna understand. Um the world a lot better than maybe some of these kids do and, and know that things aren't all uh, unicorns and rainbows. and and hopefully he'll be the I, I think he's the right kind of example of a, of a young person that we have coming up. And I think that there's lots of them out there and I've met lots of them, which gives me some hope me too, that there are folks out there, um, but they're not the loudest ones. They're not the loudest ones and you're, and they're sometimes terrified to say something on social media for fear of being excoriated by the those who go after everybody.
0: Right, but, you know, you always hear when it comes to a fight, and, you know, if if this the soul of this country ever comes down to a fight, you always have to be the wariest of the ones who are quiet when it comes to a fight. So, you know, I mean, let them, let them keep their convictions and let it burn inside. And then when it's time for it to really matter, for it to really matter the blowhards will be out of wind. Once it's out of wind, who actually want to fight will be the ones to... And to finally, take action. You know what so, I mean? Yeah. Um, I hope it never comes to that here uh, in the United States, and I don't oh, feel like serious. it will. But but uh, that's a very true, true statement. And you know, and I don't even mean violently. I mean, Even in, right. even in the battlefield of ideas. Sure. You know, if you're it's part of the reason that I refuse to stay quiet. Right. Most definitely. And and you know, I mean, I I'd give a platform to anybody. I mean, you know, th- this is probably one of the deepest episodes I've done. And, um, you know, most of it's about what people have done and how much fun it is, but they write comic books and they make video games and they, and it's stuff I love. And I genuinely love, which are things I love too, by the way, I love, I genuinely respect them for it. But, you know, I mean, I've heard you on Crowder. I've, I've seen some of the movie stuff you've done and I knew that with how important some of these issues are that a, I'd get to talk to my childhood Superman and B, (laughs) I'd have a conversation with somebody. Who, who can see both sides of things and actually has real world experience to, to apply to opinions you know so yeah, I know I, I went a lot deeper than you probably thinking with all the Superman stuff I was saying it been hey, listen, 400 pound <laughs> But this Go goes wait. back to listen maybe the fact that I'm on your
1: podcast like I used to have a publicist and do all these sort of things by rote and do all the things you're supposed to do and blah 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 I stopped doing that um Uh, You could be the number one podcast in America or the world, or you could be, you know, some young kid at home. You know, I'll do, you know, the the kids' movies, the dog movies. I'll make a movie with Denzel Washington. I'll go host the Today Show. I'll make a documentary about the Armenian genocide. I'll do a lot of different things. But that's life. I mean, nobody's better than anybody else. Nobody's above this, that, or the other thing. And that's what's pretty cool about this is one of those examples of where – Social media is a, is a very cool thing to connect through. That and go, hey, listen, I do the podcast here. You want to come on and do it? I said, yeah. And uh, there's nobody to guide me. Nobody would tell me to go do it. Oh, you need to get on this podcast right now. No, but you say interesting things, and I, I'm quite happy to, to, to sit down and talk to you. Like I said earlier, you know, even when we talked, you said, you know, anything in particular you want to talk about or don't want to talk about? I'm wide open. I'm that way on any interview, any place, any time. If I don't feel like talking about something, I'll say, Listen, I'm not comfortable talking about that. But right. that doesn't happen very often. But they but I'll tell you what, dealing with people in, in our business and it's all about perception, they are so guarded and so terrified to say the wrong thing. Um, they just wanna be, you know, follow the the, the the lockstep here to get to get to the next the next place, whether it's what they believe or not. And so afraid to upset the sort of the elite, if you will, the media elite and the intelligentsia. That oh my gosh, you better not better not say the wrong thing. Uh, I think
0: it's crazy. I do too, and I think it, you know if, if 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 they're all considered artists, and art is supposed to be the freest expression, art's supposed to have no rules. There's all these rules now. It's it's like with comedy. Comedy, oh, that's gotten destroyed, right? But it was always that was always the medium where you could literally say whatever you wanted. And and what's sad to me is a lot of the big stand-up comics today, they built their career on that platform. I'll say whatever. I'll go as far as I want to. I'm free to do it. But unfortunately... Richard Pryor, man. Woo. But what they did is they did that. They got famous. They got all the money. They started doing movies, started selling out arenas. And what they did is they turned around and they closed that door behind them for all the up-and-coming stand-up comics and we're like, well, this is what's no longer acceptable. Yeah. I I, That's I still think comedy...
1: Yeah, I still think comedy should be able to go nuts. They should be able to say what they want to say. The thing that pr- frustrates me is I, I, comedy be comedy then. Let it be comedy. But if you're going to be an advocate, like a lot of the late-night folks now these days will, will say things, but they'll go, oh, no, I'm just a comedian. Well, either you're a comedian. or If you're a comedian, then do comedy. But but you're making real social jabs at people and right. doing things that, that, that aren't exactly comedic. You're, you're pushing a point of view as opposed to making fun uh and, and, and maybe shining a light on something. You're pushing a point of view and that they become advocates. And that's a little odd to see that happening as opposed to comedians who will push the boundaries and say the wrong things to offend.
0: But you but you laugh at it. And that's right. I think that's that's how it should be. I'll watch left wing comedians. And I'll oh, sure. I'll laugh my ass off at their jokes. Because I let my brain function the way it was intended to. I don't have these weird walls that I put up. You know, and I'll watch right-wing comedians and laugh at what they – you know, Owen Benjamin is freaking hilarious. Owen Benjamin is hysterical. There's some stuff he, yeah, he puts up on – everybody. Right, there's stuff he puts up on Twitter <laughs> where I'm like, oh, <laughs> holy crap. But, you know, he's funny. Steven Crowder, same thing. You know, but then I'll turn around. You know, the Dave Chappelle's Netflix specials, that went up. He caught so much hell from the left for what he – but the dude's got some of the most honest comedy out there. You know, He did the two-parter. The first one is the comedy part. The second one, I think it's the bird paradox or the bird something paradox. I don't think I've seen that one yet. Watch the second one. He is sitting on a stool, and he starts talking, and I love it. He looks at the audience, and he goes, oh, y'all thought this one was supposed to be funny, huh? And he just, yeah, he just goes for like an hour of some of the most truest truths you've ever heard, and nobody is spared. And he caught a bunch of hateful. It it, it's the second. It, it's on Netflix. He did the. It's the special from this year, but there's two parts. And the other one, I, I think, is it. the the birds of the paradox. I got it. it I'm watching it. It's, it's insane. I, but I've always loved him because that dude will say he's brilliant. Right. His comedy is brilliant. But sadly, then you have guys like Jimmy Kimmel, who, I'm sorry, were a lot more funnier to me when they were talking about girls on trampolines and saying ziggy-zaggy, oy-oy-oy, when they were a much funnier man's sidekick.
1: Yeah, well, uh, I I know Jimmy. I like Jimmy. I've known him for a long, long time. Um, I do think he's become a bit of an advocate. I haven't watched the shows, but I've seen bits and pieces of him saying things, and I understand that his kid had some things go on with him and the medical stuff is important, but I don't know 100% where he is, you know, where he sees this going. Uh, I don't want to watch late night comedy and, and have him, late night talk show hosts, and have them berate me or berate our president over this, that, or the other thing every night. It's just not funny or interesting. I'm much more enjoying
0: Jimmy Fallon these days. Right, and, and I mean, he, he kind of got sucked into it. I think, you know, Super Bowl weekend, he went a little political, but for the most part, yeah, his show is super enjoyable to watch because he makes fun of everybody. See, and that's just it. I don't yeah. care if you make fun of Trump. The dude's a walking joke factory. He really is. There's he, plenty to say. He He's like our Joe Biden. Every time he talks, you're like, oh, shit, that was funny. Y'all need to hear what he just said. You know what I mean? Like... I get that, but when it's just, and it's just constant vitriol, it's like, just just bring out whoever was in the latest movie that you're going to run the trailer for, please, and and I've never been one to be like dance monkey dance when it comes to entertainers, because I do think everybody, everybody wakes up in the morning and their brain functions the same, no matter if they're famous, or, you know, the guy dumping the trash in your neighborhood into a, a garbage truck. I mean, you know, it's, but my dad always said everybody's got an opinion, and opinions are like a holes. Everybody's got one, and they all stink to someone else, you know. So, <laughs> but but when it but when it becomes to people who would rather not learn things for themselves, when it becomes gospel and it starts to form narratives that become movements, you know, hands up, don't shoot was based on a complete lie, but it became this nationwide thing that literally led to physical violence, the hunting of cops, and riots. You know, yes it did. And, and it and it was a narrative based on a lie. Absolutely true. When people who have that much social influence start spreading those lies and giving it giving it merit just because they're like, oh, just, oh you know it's almost like when Jack Nicholson, you know, I always think of in the shining when they're in the car going to the Overlook Hotel and you know the the kid's like I know what cannibalism is, and Jack Nicholson's like, see, he learned it on the television. That <laughs> sentence can be really dangerous. <laughs> you know? Pretty good Nicholson there, by the way. Well done. I try, I try. But you know, but 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 it, it's true though. Like you know, if, if if you have if you have people that aren't, aren't going to take the time because maybe they just don't have the time. I'm not going to say that people who who buy into any left-wing narrative is stupid because that makes me literally no better than the people I'm talking about for spilling vitriol. But, you know, maybe they don't have the time and, and that's where they get it. You know, the fact that there's millions of people who think they get their news from The Daily Show is absolutely frightening. You know, but, you know, or they get their news from last week with John Oliver. Or they get their – you know, like – no, they're literally comedians, and this was supposed to be a funny show. That's how it started. That's how it started, but it's turned
1: into something completely different, which is unfortunate. Right. But I think it's going to go back the other way because it's just going to become so blatantly obvious. Maybe I'm wrong.
0: No, you're you're actually Um, right. I think it's going to go the other way. There's a lot of studies um, that aren't politically leaning one way or the other. It's people whose studies – you know, that – They actually study how societies work and this and that. And they said, you know, there was a backlash to the conservatism of the 80s. And it's what liberalism really blew up was the 90s. I mean, we all saw it coming. And now here we are in 2018 going, what the hell happened? But they're saying that the next couple generations, there's a strong possibility that that pendulum swing makes them some of the most conservative generations we've seen. You know, you know, I could see that not just
1: here in the United States, but I could see that elsewhere. Um, having just been to a number of countries, like 15 in the last year, right, and had these conversations with a lot of people, uh, that would not surprise me at all. Not just the United States, but in
0: a lot of other countries within Europe and Asia and beyond. Well, yeah, it's all countries where, you know, the, the, the citizen is being victimized in one way or another. You know, I mean, we're told, you know... All the things that we're supposed to accept and embrace here, and I'm like, well, I have all daughters. If you think for a second I want this country to become anything like what Sweden's going through right now, you're out of your flipping mind, you know. Or that you know, like I-, I want them to have a good future. So if you think that any sort of socialist EU policy we need to adopt here, to me, you're out of your mind. And it's not because of me. I'm almost 40 years old. I do physical labor for a living. I I I do facilities for a major retailer. And I won't put them out there because they're a left-leaning company, and I don't want to be like, you know, you have a right-wing lunatic. Uh, um, you know, uh, but you know, I do plumbing and HVAC. I've, I've worked in construction. I can build a house basically. So for me, you know, I always tell people, people who have really good-paying jobs, that's awesome, and they're really good at what they do, and that's awesome. Me, I make really good money because I finally got to a level where I'm good enough to earn it but if everything crashed and burned tomorrow in our economy if everything died i'll be fine because people still want to turn a light on when they get home and it gets dark and people still want to be able to take a shit and i can help them with both those things Both those things very important <laughs> <laughs> but you know i want every opportunity for for my kids you know and i made that joke because i'll be fine i can work with my hands you know no matter what's going on they're just coming up into the world. I want it to be a better one than I have. And I think every parent, no matter what political side they're on, if you're a parent, that's the biggest thing. That's what you want for your kids, of course. And I think that's what, I think if a lot of people could get back to that, like at the end of the day, no matter what you believe, if you're a good human being, you want your children safe, you want food on the table. You know what I mean? Like you want want everything to be as good as it can be for your family. And if you want to extrapolate that to the country, that's fine. You know, that's where your voting comes in, what you believe in. But, uh, you know, I think if people finally stopped, well, what do you think? What do you think? Well, what's your tribe? What's your tribe? Well, I'm over here, but I'm kind of over here too. Because if if you just get down to the end of the day, you know, when I argue with people that I end up talking to afterwards online – you know, I always end up with a joke, and I do kind of mean it, but at the end of the day, we can all agree that Superman and Batman still kick ass. <laughs> no matter what you believe in, of course. you know, let's find one common thread, even if it's that silly and superficial. It's a common thread to build yes. into more conversation. You know, there, there's a guy I follow on Twitter who has been posting some of the most awful anti-gun stuff, and I've been answering him with facts and logic. Um, because some of the stuff is, it's the stuff that you, you know, like that one reporter who held up the bunch of rusty drill bits and thought they were bullets. That one's hilarious.
1: I didn't see that. Look it up.
0: Look it up. And then there was another one where they were running a video on, look what this AR 15 does to a watermelon. The homeboy's got a 12 gauge shotgun they're calling it an AR 15 and he he bumps around into the watermelon. I've got a shotgun less than five feet from where I am right now. But they labeled it an AR 15 and ran the video on a news agency. Look what this AR 15, one bullet, does to a watermelon. I mean, if I could get an AR 15 that fired the Magnum slugs I used for my vanilla. Right. That'd be dangerous. It would also be fun as hell. It'd be a lot of fun. Ugh,
1: shooting things is a lot of fun. It really is. Inanimate objects, by the way, unless somebody's causing harm
0: or has evil intentions, then I'll shoot them. I mean, I'll tell you what. Right, exactly. We've got guns, and I love taking them to the range. My my wife's a better shot than me. I am man enough to admit that. My twenty year old is a better shot than me. She's awesome. <laughs> Even though she's 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 you know. She's gone the super pacifist route in the past couple of years, and, and that's fine because that's who she is. That's good. Right. She can be who she is, yeah. But I've watched her fire a rifle, and I know that she's better than me with it. Um, I don't ever want to have to turn one on a human being. I don't either. Ever. You know, when they're like, oh, you, you just want to cling to your gun so you can kill people. And I'm like, no, I cling to my guns so that I can maybe pull one out and not have to fire it. That, I think that is the dream of literally everyone who owns a firearm. Is that I do have it, and God forbid I have to fire it, but at least having it may be enough to keep everybody safe for one night when something creeps. creeps when something, and, I, and, things, and crazy things do happen. They really do, and I never have to use it. Well, God bless you. I hope that's the case for both of us, my friend. Right? I mean, well, why do you think I keep the—you know, we, the, the other guns are locked up, but I keep the shotgun out and not even loaded— Because my hope is that if anything's ever coming up the stairs towards my children, the slide rack on that, right, right, the slide rack on that alone will be enough. Because they'll know, oh, I'm about to run into something really ugly. uh, At 20-gauge, 20-gauge, you can almost take that to the shoulder. Right, and for me, me, it's my hope that that's the one that's within hands reach. Because that's the one that sounds so scary, I'd never have to go farther than that. You know, I mean, dead honest. And you're not shooting through walls, or you're not, and it's not going to go flying
1: through and hit neighbors and things of that. I, listen, there's a shotgun very near me as well. Right. It's a 12 gauge, and it's a short barrel 12 gauge, but it's a, uh, listen, every, and everybody in my household knows how to fire, and knows how to fire all sorts of weapons. Everything's, everything is well secured, but I promise you, you show up at my house at nighttime, I'm answering it with. You know, I'm answering that call uh, with a firearm. It's going to be regret. I feel really good about that. I The reason I first got a firearm, the first time I ever got one, was because someone was in my apartment in Brentwood, California, was just banging on my window, screaming, help me, help me, help me, and I couldn't tell what the hell was going on. Three o'clock in the morning, and I flipped on my light like an idiot, and then somebody ran up to my apartment was banging on it. I couldn't tell if they were being chased or what was happening, and I realized I couldn't defend myself in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. If somebody did have a weapon, uh, whether it was a knife or a gun, I would, I, I just didn't have anything. And uh, then I, I got a shotgun the next day, and right. I've had it for home protection. And I've been a number of times where I've had I've – ha- because I've had that shotgun to go to, I was like, oh, God, I sleep so much better tonight knowing that I am safe. Right. I can defend myself. And that's been a wonderful thing. That's the reason I originally got it. Now my, my knowledge in gun, guns and firearms and the world and things has, go- has grown exponentially since then. But that, that was
0: my – the fact that I could do that made me so very happy. Definitely. And that's just it. You know, like I ne- – I, people never see them when they come over. You know, it, it's the myth that, that gun owners that we walk around, like I said earlier, like Yosemite Sam, that, you know, like I come over and everyone's like, hey, let's go watch a show. And everybody comes over for dinner and you have all your friends over. And you come downstairs and you're like, look what I got yesterday. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> like, that's not – that's not it at all. Most of my friends don't even really know what we have because it's. That's good. Yeah, I mean, a security because you know you never really know people, but b, it's because it it doesn't make me feel cooler to have them. You know, I don't have a hitman vault where you know I hit the bedside mirror and it comes up and there's just this, you know. You don't? No, I trust. I, yes, I do. I wish I had Deadshot's armory. It would be great, but I don't. <laughs> Because I just need what will keep my family safe, you know. I mean, there's there's a handgun by the bed and a shotgun within hands reach, and da da, da and you know, everything else. Is, and various other things. Right, everything else is undisclosed. But you know, like yeah, never, but, but you're
1: safe at night, and you're and you sleep well, right? You're not going to turn on a family member by accident. People who are trained with weapons, you you, you don't fire by accident, no. Uh, at least you shouldn't no. if you're really trained well. You better know what you're firing at and what's behind it and where it might go and everything else. That's how I was trained. Right. So I fortunately never had to pull my weapon on anything. But if I do, that's my first thoughts. I've been in situations where I thought, oh, this is going to happen. And I looked at every little thing and every little place and where I would go, where I would move, what would my backdrop be, and blah, 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 blah.
0: That's,
1: that's what they train you
0: to do. when They train you well. They do. They do. I mean, when you take courses, and and I'm I'm one of those people that I think it's fine if you wanted to almost make it mandatory, um, you know, gun safety. I'm, fine with, that too. I'm, I'm fine with that too. And that's just it. I, I am not one of those. Well, everybody, you know, the Constitution says that the right to bear arms means I can get me a machine gun and park an Abrams on the lawn. You know, no, it's. It, it, I think at the time it was known that within reason, um. You know, and it wasn't muskets. I love the other side of the argument. Well, they were talking about these clumsy flintlocks, and I'm like, "Go study the puckle gun, you idiot, and realize that that puckle gun will do it. Right. Puckle gun, let, let you have it. You know, well, that's that's where Crowder does a great
1: job. He does a great job on his uh, podcast with that, and, and and breaks down like a whole
0: number of different weapons that existed at the time. Right, including cannons. Right. I mean, I'd love to have one on the lawn, but that's just because I've seen enough movies where the eccentric character. Let's the neighborhood know what time it is. Right. It's noon. Boom. Light the cannon, fire it into a field. That'd be fun as crap. Put it up on the gable on the top of the house. I think that's, was that, Mary Poppins or something where the, it's the admiral or some sort of neighbor has a crow's nest and he's got like a first mate with him in the house all the time and they fire cannons over the neighborhood to tell everybody what's going on. That, that, that's the old guy I want to be eventually. That's pretty funny. You know, get off my lawn, and then cannon fire, (laughs) followed by cannon fire. (laughs) But um, so, I mean, other than your your world travel trip, um, you got anything else on the horizon that people can get excited about or know about?
1: Well, we do have season four hit the floor coming up soon, and that'll start coming out soon. That'll be interesting. I promise you. It's on BET now. We've moved from uh, VH1 to BET, so that'll be fun. Uh, I'm hosting the fifth season of uh, of uh, Masters of Illusion on CW, on the CW, which is a magic show, which is a lot of fun. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, I enjoy it. And uh, uh, I'm going to make a couple documentaries um, that, that I'm working on right now that I'll discuss at a later date. But that's 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 the good stuff right now, and that'll
0: take me through March, and then we'll see uh, we'll see what's right around the corner. That's awesome. So before before we, I mean, I don't know how much time you're willing to give. I could, I've got, I, I've got a long weekend, so I, I could sit here all day. and talk. <laughs> But um, I have a short window here, so I, I, I do have a. Short I do want to. I got a kid to feed. I sick kid to feed. I do want to say real quick. Um, you know, I talked about it with somebody on Twitter that was talking about how excited they were that you were coming on. <laughs> um, you know, I told him I had a really rough high school years, and it was my rebellions. You know, I I don't I. It was nobody else's fault but mine. I decided that um, punk rock needed to be more than a music style and a lifestyle, and it actually landed me in juvie like four times for fighting and as punk punk rock is one right truancy and fighting (laughs) and violence and I mean I really started to lose my way and you know um, superheroes and my my wife went to church her whole life. I didn't meet her till I was 21. I didn't go to a church seriously until I was 21, so it wasn't a part of my life yet, but the superhero mythos always was, and um, it was a big part of, of of rebalancing when I really felt like I was losing everything. I mean, I re- I did go to juvie four times. One time was for almost a year straight. Um, I lost, yeah, most of my high school experience was um, incarceration. You know, my freshman year went great. I did drama club. I was in all these plays, and I was getting straight A's, and everything looked promising. And then I made a group of friends that I'd never had before, and they were all horrible people, right? (laughs) And, you know, it just went downhill from there. But, you know, the mythos of of the superhero, for somebody who didn't know, you know, anything else really at the time, uh, did a lot toward inspiring me that you can't lose yourself in all this. You still understand right and wrong. You still understand justice. You still understand villainy and the way to, you know, and you know, I've always been an anti-bully. Um, some of the fights I got in because I was getting in trouble for other things, it got lumped in, but some of the fights I got in were, I saw a kid get checked hockey style into the lockers and decided that the kid who checked him needed to see the floor for doing that. Um, you know, it's an admirable. That's an admirable. Uh, you know, an admirable thought. I don't like bullies either. But you know, um, you know, superheroes always meant a lot to me. For that, um, your portrayal of Superman was actually on while I was in high school. While all of this stuff was going on, it was still such a break to watch the show. And forget all the things that I was doing to myself. And I think even then I acknowledged I was doing it to myself. I never really blamed my parents or anything for anything that I put myself through. And even now I call them my rebellions because they were. But there were a couple shows. You know, Batman the Animated Series. X-Men the Animated Series. And um, the new adventures of Lois and Clark uh, gave me superheroes outside of the books. Where I could just sit and let all that go. And, and remember that there's still good guys out there and that I could still aspire to that. And it was a big part of me going in the Army, too, at 18. It wasn't just like, I need to straighten myself up. It was, you know, well, if all this stuff has meant so much to me and through high school I was known as the anti-bully and through this, then I'm going to put my money where my mouth is and do what really matters. So, you know, I mean, honestly, it, it's more of a roundabout way of saying thank you for... For, for, for being Superman um, on TV for us. I, I'm, I'm sure there's tons of stories you've heard at conventions of, of what it meant, and I'm one of those people where it actually meant a lot. Um, well, I so. love, absolutely love, and am humbled completely
1: even hearing that. And the truth of the matter is, I had never heard those stories until, I'd heard little things when we were shooting the show. And I knew listen, and I know it's not me. I don't have the thought to go, oh, it's all about me. I'm an actor playing a role. You know, I understand who I was representing and who I was who I was being. But I believe in Superman. I believe in the character. I believe in the, the idea of right and wrong, truth, justice in the American way. I really do. And so playing him was not a there was no fakeness in any of those thoughts or pro anything that I had to say about that at all. But to hear people say that, when I started doing conventions about five years ago going out on these things and meeting with fans, I'd never heard those stories. You don't because you're working 18 hours a day in the same space and it just becomes this redundant thing and it's this little insulated group and you don't get that feel of what happens outside of it. At least that's the way it was back in the day. I assume it's still the same thing. And it's really been eye-opening and really fulfilling to hear that. Especially from a guy like you like right now. It's a very, very cool thing to hear and it makes me feel like I didn't waste four years of my life doing that show. <laughs> no, man, you
0: certainly didn't. It, it, it meant a lot. It meant a lot to a lot of people in different ways too. I mean, my story I'm sure is no different than somebody else who went through something completely different and it inspired them. So, you know, like I think I think that's why the superhero mythos is important. And, you know, for people who who are of a Christian faith like me, I need to remind myself don't ever let the superheroes become bigger than You know who who, who I who I believe and am convicted to know is the superhero of all superheroes. You know in 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 Jesus and everything, but you know it's okay to still love superheroes. Yes, let them be become bigger. But at a time period where I didn't have that hope and that faith, it it was very needed to have what your show brought in my life at that time. You know what I mean, like. So it, it's 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 a flip out dream <laughs> it's su- super surreal um you're like one of three guests that when I actually talked to them that um was just like on the inside like holy crap holy crap <laughs> the whole time um I I always tell everybody they're more than welcome back on I like to open door policy the show um and it'll be the same thing it's open free form and I know how busy you are so it won't be a it won't be a weekly. Hey, you want to come back? Hey, <laughs> um, you know, maybe in like a month or two, I'll shoot you a quick message or something. Hey, Brilliant. But, uh, but um, let everybody know where, they're, where they can uh, where they can follow you on social media if they, if they like the episode and want to get to know more about what you're about and what you do. Most definitely. Pretty simple.
1: Twitter at, at real Dean Kane and Instagram um, deuces1966, deuces nineteen sixty six d e u c e s 1966. Make sure you see the blue check mark, because there's a lot of fake people out there, which is really odd. Right. Fake accounts, they copy your own things, and say stuff, and ask people for money. I'm never asking anybody for money on, on social media,
0: except for you, Jace. I want some money. Oh, fun. yeah. We'll, we'll work that out as soon as, as, soon as we're done. <laughs> uh, I hit the ATM right before my computer turned.
1: <laughs> yeah, so uh, I, I'm there. I'm, I'm pretty active on those things. Well, not so much on Instagram. i got to do better with that. My son sort of uh, made me do that to begin with. Even Twitter I, I didn't want to do at first, but I found it to be really interesting, um, and I'm glad that I did, did jump on Twitter because it's been uh, it's been really
0: interesting to, to sort of interact with the world. Right. In that sense. And I know. Yeah. I'm certainly glad that you jumped on Twitter because that was the way this was able to be made to happen. So. Dang right. All right. For everything Twitter does that pisses me off, Once in a while, I have to remind myself of the people I've been able to talk to because of it. (laughs) But um, thank you so much for coming on, man. Thank you for your time. It's My uh, pleasure. Absolute flip out, dream come true to get to talk to you. (laughs) Well, good luck with your uh, your
1: 20-year-old and your 12-year-old. That might be the work right there. Yeah, man,
0: it's super fun. (laughs) Every day. (laughs) But, um, uh, you know... Of course, you know, me and family will be praying safe travels for you as you go around the world. And just have, like, a super cool time with your son and just watch his mind get blown as you guys go from, like, event to event because it's going to be cool. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> We're going have to have some real deep t- conversations along the way. Yeah, but those are the things that end up sticking with you for life. So it's it's going to be awesome yeah, for him.
1: I think so. Appreciate <laughs> it. Yes, sir. All right. Cheers, Jason. Thanks, you brother. Too.
0: Be well. Yes, sir. Later. That was so cool. Later, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Bye.